Ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are back. NerdPod Generations, NerdPod Generations, once again, NerdPod Generations. This is episode 17. I am one of your illustrious hosts, Steve Taylor, here with always Mr. Al Judson. Hello, sir. Hello, friends and enemies. How's it going, Mr. Steve? It's going good, bud. It's been... It's been a good day. Yeah, yeah. There's some good energy in the air today. It was. It started kind of crappy. Uh, My son is doing tennis in the mornings now. Oh, exciting. And tomorrow's his last day. It was just a four-day class. But this morning, it was like wet everywhere, and it was cloudy. Oh, yeah. But then after lunch, I took them down to the lake, and it was sunny and beautiful, and it was just a completely different vibe. So it was an interesting transition throughout the day. I saw your Instagram of uh, Creek. Oh, yes. There is actually, if you go down um, Holt Road all the way to the lake, before you get to the lake road, there's a little turnoff and there's a little playground. And if you walk past that, there's the creek that goes through there. And there's a little area that my son and I found, God, I want to say it was like four years ago now. He was real little. That there's a little opening and there's a place where there's just a little rocky coral area. And you go down and you just throw rocks into the creek. And we're going to bring our water shoes tomorrow. We're just going to walk through the creek and all that. See, it's funny because if it's the place I'm thinking of, we used to play Frisbee there. Like right in that same area. It's got like a big open area. Yeah, yeah, That's that area. Yep. Yeah. That is. Yeah, no, it was nice. It's funny. Webster's a great place. It is. It's apparently where life is worth living. So they You do. know, for most of my life since I went to Webster schools, I always joked that it was where life was worth taking. But <laughs> now, you know, I see it in, you know. Webster, Penfield, Fairport yeah. area, which we're all in, you know, there it's a great little area. It's a nice you little area. You really can't complain. No, no. I mean, yeah. So, I mean. The bugs. The bugs are bothersome. Yeah, you know, we had some mosquito issues, but not bad. Ooh. See, luckily my family, I think their blood is made of sugar because mosquitoes will eat them alive. They'll annoy me, but they won't really bite me. See, my blood is made of sugar. Well, there you go. Both, you know, literally and figuratively. Yes. Um. And so I'm I'm ready to hire a squad of dragonflies to just patrol around me. You got to put bat houses up, man. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about putting some of our bat houses in our backyard because that destroys the the population of mosquitoes. Bats get a bad name. And they do get a bad terrible. name. I love bats. I love bats. Funny thing is, I was sitting in the backyard of one of my buddies. Uh, he lives down near the golf course in Webster, and we were watching a movie outside at night, and I saw bats flying around. I'm like, oh man, you got quite a few bats out here. He's like, we have bats. Like, what do you think those things are flying up there? They're birds. Birds. Birds don't fly like that, man. Those are bats. Birds don't fly that way at night. Yeah, I think most people don't realize how many bats that truly are around here. Yeah, because they all think, oh, they're in a cave somewhere. No, they live in trees. They live in trees. They sleep in trees most of the time. Yeah. So we're hoping to we're hoping to get some bat houses up and maybe kind of wipe out that whole population which i hate mosquitoes oh man it's it's been the only thing since moving back that i've been like this is the one thing that next year i'm going to dread yeah even the winters fine i can deal with it i've i dealt with it for the first 22 years of my life i can keep dealing with it yeah uh but the mosquitoes oh damn they suck man especially i know it's real wet kind of behind you here we live in a swamp like a like shrek live in a swamp well, there you go, man. And it's it's tough. That is tough. It's poor Wilson has so many bug bites on. Oh, his Wilson, back. just gotta keep giving him some of those CBD treats yes. and make him forget about everything. Uh, 
They're they're good CBD treats. They're made for dogs. We're not getting our dogs high. No, okay? and and it's it's all very uh, regulated. We're there not talking about big pieces. We're talking about small pieces. Yeah. And it's a dog. Just get off our backs, people. It's just a dog. He's an old man. He deserves. He's an old money. dog. He deserves to get a little buzz every now and then. Yeah. What what was? I give we give catnip to our cat. That's right? like giving a cocaine. I feel like. Pablo Escobar, when I walk in and my cat looks at me. Oh, speak of the devil. The boy is here. Yes, I yeah. agree. He he deserves good cookies. He does deserve cookies. All right, so folks, once again, this is NerdPod Generations. We are on episode 17. If you have not listened to us before and you're listening to us for the first time, please go back and re-listen to some of our older uh, episodes. We have pure gold in our library, folks. Gold. Especially last week, my brother listened to one of our shows for the first time, and he gave us a lot of kudos Ah. Really enjoyed the show. He's a very tough critic. So that is huge accolade. So people, please. uh, I am currently working on a Facebook page with lovely Al. Uh, We're going to hopefully get that up and running. Maybe have some more content on that. Don't know about a website yet. I think we'll let this go for a year or so. Once it really starts getting legs, then we'll think about that kind of stuff. But if you are looking for us right now, um, you probably found us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, uh, whatever miscellaneous podcast site you may listen to us on. Also, um, if you have a friend who's into nerd culture, highly recommend them just, you know, listening to one episode, seeing if they like us. Yeah. If they don't like us, you know, we're not going to force you. If you love us, please listen to every episode because we really enjoy doing this. And if we could get to the point where we actually can do this for a living, that would be spectacular. That would be fun. I would have a good time with that. Yeah, because, I mean, listen, I mean, look at, I remember how quaint it was when we were first starting this podcast and we are like, maybe, well, maybe we'll be able to squeak out a half hour. Yeah. Last week we went an hour and 20 minutes and we had to stop ourselves. Yeah. So imagine if we had more time to focus on this. We had to stop ourselves Three times. Three times. Yeah, well, nature stopped us twice, and I, then we had to stop ourselves a different time. I was actually thinking of, like, the Loki, the Black Widow. Like, every conversation yes. we had to bring ourselves to, like, a dead yeah, stop. Yeah, that's so exactly what going. I was talking about, too. Yeah. All right, so getting into the meat of the show, a quick rundown. What are you watching, playing, reading right now, sir? So I've been uh, playing – this is this is barely playing in the eyes of many gamers, but I've been playing this game, Tricky Towers. Do you know it? I've heard of it. Yeah. I've not played it. So it's, it's Tetris without the border. Oh. So you're basically trying to balance it up vertically. Okay. And so there's like different ways to play the game. There's speed challenges. Interesting. There's puzzle Interesting. challenges. Um, so that's fun. And I'll just play that for like an hour at night. Yeah. And uh, it's it's like it's one of those games where I'll lose myself in it and like look up and it's 1140 and I'm like, oh, nuts. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dang. Um, I love those games. I used to be... Uh, uh, Age of Empires. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was big. Like, I would sit there, and three hours later, it's like, Jesus Christ, I've just been building the civilization. Yeah. And it's like two in the morning. What the hell am I doing in my life? Every Spider-Man game, shocker, well, has yeah, been that way for me. Yeah. Um, literally, in some cases, mm-hmm. of like, oh, crap, Madden too. Mm. I'll just play one more game of Madden. That's fine. See, luckily, Madden just turned shitty, and then I stopped playing that. So Once I got to the point where they no longer had create a team as an option yeah. in the game, I was like, well, that was the only part that I was really interested in. Well, did you hear about last year's? What happened last People year's? People actually found it in a stadium where it said Madden 19 because they just reused <laughs> skins. <laughs> and they're finding, like, years past the old data instead of just like, all right, if you're going to do that, which is fine... 
just patch the game for thirty dollars. This is what instead I'm of reselling for like now on the new generation, it's seventy bucks for the new game. That's insane. Yeah. I would never pay seventy bucks Unless for Madden. You're an Xbox person. Because Xbox Game Pass, which has EA Play worked into it, you get all of the EA games launch date for free. So I'll get Madden, because I'll never pay for Madden again. I'll pay for NCAA football when that comes back, because that was my favorite football game. Well, now the the players actually get to make money off of it. Did you hear about that Alabama guy? No. The Alabama quarterback, the coach, believes he's a freshman, has not played it down for Alabama yet. But since he's an incoming quarterback that's very highly touted, he has almost a million dollars in um, endorsements? deals. Endorsement deals. Ooh, for wow. a freshman. Wow. But I'm happy for him. I'm good like, for good. Him. Yeah, and you. this is what you've been working towards. Because every time I think about players not getting paid, I go back. Did you ever see the South Park with the Crack Baby Basketball League? Yes. Where Cartman, and he's like, these slaves. And like, they're not slaves. They're college athletes. Oh, is that what you're calling them now? college athletes and i was like that's the greatest thing i've ever heard in my life because it's the truth they were using they were just it was insane it was terrible like the the way that it's described is so ridiculous yes like i i go back to when i talk to my kids about this Mm. what are they going to believe all of this player got kicked out of college for smoking weed yeah yeah yeah, that really happened this player lost his heisman trophy his heisman trophy for taking endorsements and selling jerseys. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That really happened. Yep. And just like arbitrary yeah. to the extreme. And these athletes that are forced to do practices and working out night and day are told, well, you're getting a free education and they give them underwater basket weaving classes. And then the second the player gets hurt and they can't play anymore, there goes their scholarship. Yep. It's like, it's it was insanity. Yeah, like, thinking about the idea of this this freshman making a million dollars, like, there's the one hand where these there's the initial shock of, like, well, he hasn't even played yet. But on the other hand, we're talking about football. Football yeah. is a game you play until you're 35, and then you're an old man. Yeah. If I were in the NFL right now, I would be in my twilight, probably not playing on a exactly. team. And you're lucky if you're not screaming at squirrels outside and then shooting yourself in the chest so they can study your brain. This is to say nothing of all that. Exactly. All the actual physical commitment to doing it. Like it's, let them make money now because they're going to need to invest it because they are not going to be able to walk out of the 40. Every pro athlete, in my opinion, should take nothing but finance classes. Like, because then even if you get out, you can be like an accountant or something or you can do taxes for somebody. But... When you get in and you're making all this money, holy crap. Yeah. That's a tangent. See, that's what I call a tangent. That's a tangent. That That is a nerd pod generation tangent right there. We went from what are you playing to personal finance for professional athletes. Well, and you want to talk about (laughs) what you get from us that you don't get from other podcasts? There you go. When when is other nerd podcasts going to talk about sports? Every other nerd podcast I I listen to. Most of them have no idea what sports are. Exactly. We're we're multimedia here, baby. We are the best of the best of the best. We bring the heat. Yeah. You know what that See, means. That's a sport reference. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else in your warehouse? Uh I watched Long Shot again, which oh, is nice. just amazing. I that's love that good. movie. It's so it's so fucking good. <laughs> So fucking it's not annoying. a long shot when you were to watch it. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. Bad. Bad we, we were trying to figure out what to watch on uh, Independence Day. Uh, okay. That wasn't too jingoistic. And I was and Kelly suggested that. I was like, that's really the only answer, isn't it? Yeah, that's the only answer. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Uh, for me, I just finished the Fear Street trilogy. How'd that go for you? 
amazing. Fear Street 1666. Um, it was like, do you ever see the movie The Witch? Uh, yes. Kind of similar in tone to that for the first half, but then the second half finishes up in 94, oh. where they finish the story. Awesome. For those of you who have not seen it, Fear Street is a anthology. I talked about it last week. You need to watch it. Awesome. Um, then, of course, I mentioned last week uh, to you, I don't know if I mentioned it on air, I got uh, Monster Hunter Stories 2. I started playing that, which Ooh, is very good. Yes, you did mention Just get. I haven't gotten into it a lot, but I played a little bit. Um, my big pick of the week uh-huh. is a movie called Werewolves Within. Okay. It stars a guy by the name of Sam Richardson, which the only oh, other time I saw him. Oh, I do know this movie. I want yes. to see it so bad. He it looks was, so good. He was in that awful movie, Tomorrow War. And it has uh, the other lead is Milana Vayantrup, who's the AT&T actor. For those of you who do not know what it is, it's a horror movie whodunit that has to do with werewolves. It looks so It is good. better than I thought. Because I'll be honest, the last time I thought about watching a movie like this was it was the Bill Murray Adam Driver zombie movie. Yes, but that's a Jim Jarmish. Yes, and I can't remember the name of the movie right off the top of my head. It's uh, The Dead Don't Die. I yes, think it The is. Dead Don't Die. That movie was horrible, like bad. Yeah. And I very rarely say that about a movie Bill Murray's in, yeah. especially a lead. But it was horrific, and I wish I could unwatch it so that I could always just say, oh, I really want to see this. It's probably good. Yeah. But I can't ever say that again because I know it's horrible. This, I went into it. That's why I went into it with low expectations. And it was awesome. Yeah. Highly recommend. I ended up renting it. I think it was $6.99 to rent on the iStore or whatever. Um, It was definitely worth it. It was awesome. And I'm not going to do any spoilers or anything because I know you want to see it. It's great. Okay. We used so, to we used to play tangent. We used to play a game in high school called Are You a Werewolf? Oh. Which is very much this. And it's two people are the werewolf, everybody else are villagers. You sit in a circle, everybody closes their eyes cuz it's nighttime, and at nighttime the werewolves wake up, they pick a person to kill, and then they close their eyes, and then the villagers wake up and they have to figure out who the werewolves are, and you're just voting people off and killing them. Uh, before Among Us, before all these other games, there was Are You a Werewolf? Sounds like an adult Duck Duck Goose almost. Well, you're not moving around in the oh, circle. Okay. You're, you, it's more of a head game. You just you're looking at other people's eyes and kind of trying to figure out what they're thinking and what they're doing. That sounds fun. It's great. Oh, it's so good. It sounds really fun. Yeah, there's right. different variations where you have like jobs and stuff. Oh, it's good. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm gonna have to remember that. I'll play with my kids or something. Um, all right. So one other thing we both were watching. It's Gunpowder Milkshake. Yes. Okay. For those of you who are unaware, and once again, everything we do is a spoiler, so I don't have to keep saying it, but I probably will every week. Um, Gunpowder Milkshake is a movie directed by a guy by the name of Navat Papushado, I think is how you say his last name. I probably butchered the hell out I of it. I have no idea. I'm he be has really done, he did an ABCs of death. Oh, so he yes. Has, I think he did the second one. Okay. So he hasn't really done anything. Yeah. And... It's a movie starring Karen Gillan mm-hmm. and um, Lena Headley and uh, Angela Bassett's in it, uh, Michelle Yo, Yo Carla Butcher. Guglino. Guglino, thank you so yes. much. I like the movie. I did too. Okay, and Paul Giamatti too, I never forget him. Oh yeah. I like the movie. It was a blatant Tarantino Robert Rodriguez ripoff. <laughs> I can definitely see that, yeah. Especially if you think about the fight scene in the bowling alley. 
Yeah, that one. When she first got up and like they surrounded her, I I flashed right to the silhouetted scene of the bride against the crazy 88 and Kill Bill 1. Yeah, I can I can see the exact scene you're talking about. But I have to say that was my least favorite action scene cuz I thought the choreography was kind of shit. I did too. I was not impressed. No. I wasn't sure if it was because I know that this was a film that got interrupted by COVID. It did. And so I was like, it was one of those things where I saw it and I was like, this doesn't look good. And it doesn't look good for anybody. It doesn't no. look good for any of the actors. It doesn't look good for Which is the funny. It's because it was followed up by... An excellent fight scene. The fight scene in the doctor's office. Oh, my God. Which was God. amazing. That is the highlight. Like, that was my favorite moment. See, in the movie. That, that is mine also. It was, at first, the car chase. Because I thought that was well done too, yeah. in the car in the car garage where oh, she wow. couldn't use her arms. That was oh, cool. That whole sequence. But the doctor scene is the the whole paralyzed sequence. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I like this movie. Yes. I like it. I quite a bit. I give it like a, a B B plus. I'd be in the B range. Yeah. I'd say B. Um, it gets a like you said. It's very derivative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was that was one of the things I found frustrating was that by the end I was like. You had this really cool middle section yes, where they did something that I've never seen any other movie even attempt yes. or think about doing. You, you know, like I'm looking at her at the end and she has all the scars that you would see on like a John McClane type where they're just bloodied and they're, yeah. you know, warrior. Which that end scene, all I could think about was at the end of um, Planet Terror. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of similar. You know what I mean? There's yeah, a lot of... Like, that's the thing, is that the paralyzed scene brought something that I'd never seen in an action movie yes. before. Like, and and she's fighting these guys that are hopped up on laughing gas, which is another element that I thought was excellent about the whole thing. Yeah. I, I turned to Kelly. I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing and gross. And that's exactly what it was. Um and I just – that was so engaging. And then the car chase right after it oh, was awesome. equally as engaging. Yeah. And then you have the the kind of – I call it the, the deus ex mamina where her mom just shows up. Mm-hmm. It's not really explained why or how. It took me a minute to kind of figure out what was going on. Yeah. Uh, and you knew it was going to happen because oh, yeah. you don't have an actor like her. In no, her no, no. She – as soon as – you know, you see her in the mm. beginning, and there's this whole, like, oh, she abandoned her daughter. Like, you know she's coming back at some point, mm. especially during a, a scenario where the daughter has to deal with another abandoned child. Yes. Um, and it just, like, that was one of those things where I was like, okay, that wasn't done real well. That wasn't done real smoothly. And then the last scene was, like, it was fine. It was fine. But it it became a stereotypical action movie. Yeah. See, I think the last scene could potentially be a COVID scene mm. because it was super lazy. Yeah. Like to have the movie they had and to wrap it up that way was incredibly lazy. Yeah. So the only thing I could think of is they, that's what they, they had to have a closed set and a closed soundstage and just those actors without masks in the car and yeah. just well, do like, that. Cause like that was the other thing is I'm like, are they setting up for a sequel? Because they they do that thing that all action movies do, where she says, "If you try and kill me, I'm gonna come and kill all of you." The John Wick and uh, Paul Giamatti, who is like this weird saving grace in this movie. Mm. Not, I don't want to say saving grace because that makes it seem like the rest of the movie around him is bad. He comes in with this level of acting that is just like whoa, like the scene where yes. he's talking to her on the phone 
and he picks it up and he holds it for a second. He puts it back down and he sighs and it's just like, dude's like yeah, earning no, his paycheck today. He did no, he did a great job. He did a great job in it. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah, this bothers me about once again. It's what most American movies, and I assume I believe this is American produced movie. Yeah. Why is it Lena Headley has her British accent, but oh. Karen Gillan? Doesn't have a Scottish Does accent. Does not have a Scottish accent. Or even a British accent. Or even a British accent. Do they forget she's mainly popular? Because this is what I'm thinking. There's the whole Nebula situation. where yeah. A lot of people know her with an American accent. But the majority of her fans remember her as Amy Pond in Doctor Who, yeah. where she had her Scottish accent, which with a little tweak very easily becomes a British accent. Yeah. And to me, I found that very odd. Yeah. That the mother, who is British, still has her accent, but then the daughter, who's Scottish, has an American accent. Yeah, I didn't even catch that, but you're right. It is weird. It bothers me. It bothers me when movies do that for no reason. Like, I look at Prometheus. Why Idris, or Idris Elba couldn't have his British accent? Yeah. I didn't understand that. It didn't make any sense. No. And I don't mind him with his American accent, but it's situations like that that it's just like, why screw with it? I'd rather There's have no him just reason. speak naturally. Exactly. He's he's great at all the accents that he does. Exactly. I've heard um, incredible things about the accent that he, the Baltimore accent that he took on for The Wire, oh, is apparently one of the best of like anybody ever. Really uh, just let the let the dude do his thing. He doesn't need to. You yeah, don't need to Americanize him. But why? And, and I don't know. That bothered me when I was watching it because that's the first thing I thought was. I don't, I don't know why they would do that. Overall, I found Karen Gillan very good. Mm. I liked her very much in the movie. I still, she, she was doing this kind of quiet thing, that was just very monotone and quiet. So she was her. playing Nebula. See, and this is the thing: is that I kind of wish she wasn't Nebula for a variety of reasons, not the least of which being tangent. She would make. The best, Mary Jane Watson. Yeah, she period. Would. Oh my God. The end. End of story. That's it. Yeah. That's game. It's over. Yeah. Um, but like I, I, I'm so used to seeing her as this more bubbly, excited character, mm-hmm. and this kind of like I get it. I get the muted tone. I get the whole thing. Um, it's the action movie kind of look. I get it. But like I don't know. It just I felt like that was one scene. That was one thing where I was really glad when the kid came along mm-hmm. because it kind of melted this character a little mm-hmm. bit. And I really love all the interactions with the kid. I think that was all excellent. Mm-hmm. And her kind of just deciding that she's going to take care of this kid mm-hmm. come hell or high water. And she's just committed to doing it because she knows what that's like to feel like her parents abandoned them. Yeah. And, and then at the end, and she felt guilty because she killed her. Dad. Also that, yeah. um, but that's, that's what I thought was going to, you know, become a bigger thing was there was that scene where they do the fake out of the do- of the girl shooting her in bed, and I was yeah. like, that's a really interesting idea that she would take this child in under her wing and also kind of be afraid that one day something's going to snap in this little girl. Um, and I, I, they kind of brushed it aside. As they soon as glossed they... over that quickly. Yeah, so I was like, as no, soon that's as that thing. scene you're talking about ends, the whole. Tension is gone within gone. two minutes because they have that little sit down. It's like, oh, I'm and, all right. and the daughter's like immediately like, oh no, I understand. Yeah, it's fine. The real people that are evil are the people that hired you to do it. And I'm like, oh, 
okay. Yeah. I thought we were going to do a thing, but I guess we're not going to do a thing. Um, and, the, you know, there were just a few kind of, like, muddy moments. Mm. Like, when she comes into the library and the librarian doesn't recognize her and brings yeah. her all the way downstairs. And I'm like, it took me a whole minute to realize that when they were referring to the ants, they were referring to the librarians mm. because I just assumed that they would recognize her. That was a weird moment where I was like, oh, so I guess, no, they do know each other? Okay, yeah. all right. I don't know if that was supposed to be a head fake or what, but... And then the actress they had to play the young version of her character looked a lot like her. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes that even more unplausible that yeah. they wouldn't recognize her. And she has, like, a cheek scar and everything. Yeah, it's, it's like there's scar. there's so many things that's just like, but why and don't they recognize her? And now, folks, once again, we're criticizing and tearing this movie apart, but we did enjoy it. I liked it. These we are my, like these it, are yeah. my, my tiny little pinprick yeah. issues. I had an issue with where Lena Headley said, I can't leave you with the librarians because it won't be safe. But then they make, she says, I'm going to leave you with this guy who is my handler and works for all the bad guys where they train these women to kill. But I don't want you to go into that life. But then I can't have you go with these three women in this like sanctuary that no one knows about. Yeah. That made no sense to me. There were a lot of moments like that that were yeah. just like, "Oh, this is a little, this is a little muddy." You guys needed one more run on the script, yeah, just to iron out some issues. You needed a new set of eyes. A team of people haven't seen it, don't know anything about it. Yeah, look it over. Be like, "Oh, you have a few issues here that I can poke my finger through." This was like in the alpha stage of a video game. It's like, all right, the game is done, yeah, but you have to have people play through it to f- pick out the problems. Go back, reshoot that scene in the exactly. bowling alley. Exactly. Do do a bunch of other things differently. To kind of set up, because I like the style a lot. Mm. I like the look of it. It is very Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez. But I did think that there was still an element of some element of um, of organic originality to it. Like they were doing their own spin on that mm. kind of idea. Uh, I really like the look of the diner. I like the the pink sky and all this stuff mm. that they're doing. That's all good. But that third act, not. I don't want to call it a letdown because it's not. I just wanted it to be more original than it was. See, and I'll be honest, when I first watched it, the thing I thought is, I wish they would have gotten a female director for this. Yeah. Because I was kind of disappointed when I heard, found out it was a male director. I, The moment you brought up that it was a male director, yeah. I was like, oh, well, there, there's your problem. Because it's a completely female-focused movie. I it mean, is. it's like if you made Wonder Woman, but you got a male director to shoot it, it would not have been the movie that it was. Yeah. Overall, liked it. Yeah. Liked it pretty good, but... I feel like there's a lot more to be gained than what we got out of this. Yeah. This is an idea that somebody with, I don't want to say more talent, but just like more imagination, more creativity. Yeah. I'd say imagination. Like, I like that yeah. though. Because like there's imaginative stuff, but there's not a lot of it. No. Not enough. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, that is our review of Gunpowder Milkshake. Uh, we've both given it pretty much B's, which is like a thumb up. It's, you know, barely twitched thumb up. So. Go, you know, see it. It's on Netflix. It's free. Watch it. Let us know uh, what you think of it. Um, you know, fan page on Facebook, NerdPod Generations. Look it up. Let us know. Give us your ideas. Give us your review. And, you know, we'll talk about it in our next episode. Because uh, we want to hear from you folks, too. Yeah, let's hope uh, Karen Gillan get into more blockbusters where she doesn't have to have paint on her face. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. I just, and more her. More her. More her. So now I'm very excited. Yes. Very excited. The time has come. This is 
our discussion of Picard Season 1, which I saw when it came out, got it on Blu-ray recently, and Al and his beautiful wife just crushed it in a day and a half. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, it's not a ton of episodes, but they're meaty episodes. And oh, so that is are. good. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are unaware, um, episode or uh, Season 2 comes out, I believe, early next year. Okay. 2022, I believe, is when they say it comes out. It got postponed because of COVID, um, and they had to stop production. But I believe production is complete, and they're just working on special effects and everything. But to start off with the show, I love – well, I'm a big next gen, Star Trek Next Generation, in my opinion, is the greatest television show ever made. It's the only Star Trek I know or watch, yeah. really. Not, not out of preference, but just because it has this mystique – Mm-hmm. around it oh, it's good because it was brilliant it was an absolutely brilliant show and um this is 18 years after star trek nemesis which was the final movie with the next generation crew is when this takes place is that the one with the borg that's no this is the the nemesis is the one with um tom hardy really plays a clone of picard he's the villain <laughs> of star trek nemesis he's I a did young not know that. Yes, he is a young, um, he's supposed to be the young version of Picard. Ah. And it's one of his early film roles. And he's actually really good in it. Like, of course, it's Tom Hardy. But um, this takes place 18 years after that movie ended. And it mainly follows Jean-Luc Picard as an old man living on the Picard Vineyards, family vineyard, um, after having a big fallout with Starfleet. And... I love this show. It's so good. You like it too? I very much liked it. Yeah. It, I was the the first episode is so it the there's something about the way that they they present mm. this hiatus that's happened. They fill you in on everything that's happened that's important and that stuff is big. Huge. And it's two big things. It's two real big big yeah. issues and at the same time, you can so easily envision the episode of Star Trek or like the six episodes of Star Trek yeah. that this took place over. And it, the the interview that he does is so good. Oh, my God. It's like the whole thing. And then that was when I realized that the two people that were working for him were Romulans. And I was like, oh, okay. It's starting to click into place what's going on yeah. here. This is excellent. This is so good. Yeah. Um, and like when he has that face-to-face with – uh, the admiral at Starfleet. She yeah. drops the f bomb. I was like, "What is this?" Yeah. I was like, "She just said fucking Star Trek. That's yeah. amazing." Yeah. That caught, completely caught me off guard. I'm like, I didn't know Tarantino was doing a yeah. Star Trek on TV. I love that it was a shut the fuck up Picard yes. kind of thing too. It was so awesome. No, it, it and if you look at and the thing that caught me about that first episode also was the amount of money. That went into these episodes because yeah. the special effects are yeah, excellent. Excellent. They're better than most sci-fi movies coming out now. Seriously. Like, like I real. would put these special effects up against the Star Wars movies that came out recently. Oh, yeah. Especially Rise of Skywalker. I'd put them up against something like Mandalorian or yeah. any of the new trilogy. Absolutely. But so I'm talking well. like, yeah, just the films themselves. Yeah. Like this, And I love how they tweaked some of the Star Trek technology, like the teleporters, where now you can have a personal yeah. teleporter. And then they're just kind almost like the the um, flume travel, a uh, flu travel in yeah. um, Harry Potter, yeah. where they're just like walking out of these transporters that are just there. Yeah. 
I was like, that's awesome, man. That's so great. I love the, um, what was it? The the replicator, the handheld replicator. Yes. That was great. It was so awesome. The, The replicators, like, it was so funny anytime they had footage from next gen mm. because this looks so good compared to like the the uh lo-fi oh my quality god of oh next my gen. god it was good um it, like i love next gen and it looks great for the time but when you put it up against the modern era you're kind of like oh yeah and for next gen you have to watch if you're going to watch you have to watch the blu-ray versions mm-hmm. because they clean them up even more it still looks cheesy, but at least like some of the like lighting and special effects are kicked up a notch, yeah. and they look a little better. But you're right; it's like there are, there are moments where you kind of laugh to yourself yeah. when you're watching Next Gen. Of like, oh yeah, this is a little bit of that '50s sci-fi moment. Damn right, um, man! I love it. But it's good. It's such good stuff. But like the replicators here looked like something out of science fiction, mm. not like something in Next Gen where you know. You, you fade in a coffee cup. It's like, no, it's a little laser and it builds the thing. And mm-hmm. ah, it was so good. And, and so also impressed. the little things, like the the Borg cube that they're yeah. trying to convert and like learn the Borg technology and like fix the Borg and convert yeah. them back to human. Hugh, the guy running the Borg cube, was Next Hugh Gen- from Next Generation. I was like, holy crap, they got the same actor. It was amazing. You want to talk about premier a number one fan service oh my god this is it like i like not even just next gen to bring in seven of nine as that's her name seven of nine yes uh as this kind of like walk on all-star from another series you take the best player on another series and you bring them over to this series that's crossover seven of nine in this show Reminded me of Sarah Connor in Terminator yes. 2. Yes, yes. Because 7 and 9 was, holy crap. Now, now, mind you, every female character in this show is a badass, pretty yeah. much. Which is awesome. But she is incredible. She, and I've seen her on Voyager. And I liked her character on Voyager, but this is like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. She's going to have a blaster in both hands just walking around just wasting people. Yeah. That's incredible. Kelly was watching it and just delighted. Yeah. She's a big Voyager fan. Oh, so and good. So it's just oh, like, my God. It was so good. Uh, I, I, any, and you have, like, that great fan service moment where she gets hooked up to the Borg cube. Yes. And she's like, they might not want to go back, and I might not want to let them. And she survives and is, you yeah. know, allowed to carry on her life because she has more things oh to do. God. It's like, these are fan service moments that you die for. And it was the perfect mix because you have the fan service, but then you have them building these new characters. New characters. That you're introduced and, and they're not perfect characters at all. You have an alcoholic woman that left her son because yeah. she was a drunk. You have the captain of the ship that they go on who is like a pirate pretty much. Yeah. That's the way they play him off as. And then you have the, the doctor character who is the female who – Ends up murdering her lover to hide a seat. And it's like, there's a bunch of shit going on here, man. I Okay, so I love Alison Pill. Yes. I love her so much. I loved her in the newsroom. I love her in Scott Pilgrim. I love Alison Pill. Uh, she was great so in Scott good. Pilgrim. Oh, my God. She's so good here. Yeah. And in, in this new dynamic way where she is so kind but scared and terrified. Yeah. 
and but she hides it well at times until she can't anymore because it's just too much and then you still feel for her the entire time she's like not instantly redeemed but she understands the severity of her yeah. actions and also explains them in such a way so that we as an audience can be like i mean i get it you saw the doom of all mankind yeah. and you have not only that not knowing the bad guy is the Starfleet officer yeah. that's showing you this. Yeah. So you don't realize they're the bad guy showing yeah. you this. You think that this is something that just has to be done. Yeah. Starfleet style, we just got to get in there and do exactly. it. Exactly. And uh, it was so satisfying. Every element of it was satisfying. Reos, the captain, might oh be one my of my new favorite Star Trek characters so of all time. so awesome. The concept that uh, he is all these holograms of himself. I just, I loved... So and they're all many different elements. personalities. It yeah. reminded me of multiplicity almost. Yeah. Well, it was it was so funny because we got our great scene that you always have to have in a Star Trek anything where it's one person talking to a group of people trying to figure out what happened in another situation. Yes. And none of them know, but they're trying to put it all together. Mm. And like that that was straight out of next gen. Oh, it was so awesome. It was so good. That episode 7 is bonkers good. Yes. It's so because like all of the these different elements come together and they just seamlessly fold in. Yeah, and it, oh, it's so satisfying. Yeah. Just dripping. You're like, oh my god. Oh, so- and now we got to talk about it, ladies and gentlemen. The best scene in this entire show. They brought back Commander Riker. Yes, they did. And Deanna Troy, and they gave Riker the most Riker of Riker moments. When the Romulan fleet is ready to attack this planet and Riker shows up with the entire Starfleet armada Ah. and says, just give me a reason. Hook it to my veins. Oh my God. It's so good. And I got to admit, I got to admit, I don't, I still don't know how I feel about Picard Android. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. But when I'm going through the, I don't know how I feel about stage with that, they throw in Riker yeah. with the Armada. I'm like, oh, I don't give a shit about anything else. And they had that beautiful moment. Oh, oh it's so good. Because I loved, I loved the part which was on the planet where it was him and Troy and Riker's making pizzas. Yeah. And it was, it was like that, that great meaty part of Star Trek, which the best part about Star Trek is... You truly love the characters because they're real people. They're not these fantasy sci-fi characters that would never exist. They're real people. They really love each other, and they have this family dynamic. And seeing them interacting was unbelievably beautiful, and I loved it. And then you just – I just wished and prayed it didn't end, and then they brought Riker at the end. And it was the greatest – like going – like for fan service for me – that's all I needed. Like, seeing Data in the first episode was great. That was awesome. And, you know, the good thing about it is they they don't really ever, like, apologize for the fact that Brent Spiner is over a little more overweight now. So Data looks fat, and it's like, well, how can an android... I don't really... Like, you, you don't, don't care. care about it. You really don't. I don't really care. Because then you realize it's all in Picard's mind because he has the guilt because he feels like he killed Data at the end of Nemesis when Data s- sacrifices himself and Picard's never been able to let that go and... But, like, that's great fan service. Seven and nine, great fan service. Hugh, great fan service. Fucking Picard. Or, no, fucking Riker, I mean. Put, to put Riker and Troy at the end, I'm sorry. That was, like, right there and then I'm like, this is the greatest show. The only thing I would comment 
terms of what I want mm. that I didn't get. Mm. He did not step over one goddamn chair. I kept on cheering <laughs> him on. Hey. I was sitting here in the corner being like, do it. Step over a goddamn He's chair. He's old now. He might not be able to step over a chair. <laughs> Let's be honest here. He did direct an excellent episode. He's directed a lot of great things. Yeah. Like we, I think we talked about in earlier episodes where he's directed Discoveries, directed yeah, yeah. Um, Orville. Like he's directing, like he's a great director. He's really good. A really good director. He's really good. And I I believe he's directing some of the episodes in season two. I hope so. Which is great. Which, why they wouldn't have him direct whatever the hell he wanted, I don't know. But, you know, that's what made me feel excited for the show. And then before the show was even done, they already mentioned that it was renewed for season two. And then I saw Patrick Stewart on The View um, offering the role to Whoopi Goldberg to be Guinan again. Uh. And then there was the rumor of Q. And then seeing John Delancey in the trailer and like, uh, just hearing his voice. Just hearing Q's voice was like all I needed. And like it was like seeing Riker. Hearing Q's voice, I'm like, oh, I don't give a shit what the storyline is. It doesn't have that kind of stink of money. Where it's something that we came back to to try and milk more money. Yes. This feels organic. Absolutely. The characters feel like a growth of who they were by the end of the series. You don't feel like there's a stretch. You don't feel like, you know, you're not sitting there like, all right, you know, this is how it's felt about Toy Story 4. All right. It's fine. We didn't need it. Mm -hmm. It's fine. It's perfectly serviceable. But we didn't need it, and it doesn't bring anything interesting or dynamic. Exactly. That wasn't in Toy Story 3. This? This does all of those things. And I think the big thing that made it feel that way is they made it more adult. Yeah. Like, this was an adult show. This was an adult show. No kids need to watch. I mean, there was fucking, you don't see it, but there was banging. There's a ton of swearing, ton of violence, like, pretty brutal violence. Yeah. And a very, very dark storyline. Yeah. And it, yeah. I mean, it starts with them discussing the complete annihilation of the Romulan race. Right. We're The, it, the opening, the opening salvo yes. is two genocides. Yes. And you're just like, this is where we're starting. Yeah. So get on board. And then the person who you think, and once again, spoilers, everybody, I hope you're understanding this. The female lead who you think is going to be this character throughout the storyline at the end of the first episode gets blown up. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. What the fuck just happened? Like, I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, I thought she was going to be the MacGuffin throughout the story. Like, I was, was like, oh, Data has a daughter. This is what yeah. the story is. Cool. I'm in. Let's go check out what's down this road. And then she dies. And I was just like, what? Like, this was, again, one of the very few complaints I had. There were there were two other, two real things that hmm. bothered me. Not majorly, but, like, if I were sitting here giving him notes, these would be my notes. One, when he goes back to Allison Pill and she's like, oh, yeah, they're born in twins. That would have been helpful information earlier on. Yes. Because that felt like a kind of a false door of, we killed this character, but she has a twin. And it's just like, oh, okay. All right. I'll give them a pass on that just because of how flaky they made her character. Yeah. And meeting Picard and knowing who he is. And I might give her a pass. I agree with you on that. But I I might give them a pass on that. But, like, my only other complaint is that Picard goes to people a lot. And he says, come with me on this journey. I need your help. And they say, oh, fine. And they get on the ship and they start going. And they're like, okay, so when are we going to get there? And he's like, in a minute. We got to make this other pit stop first. And he does that like four times. And yeah. I was just sitting there like, by the end, I was like, stop making pit stops. Yeah. 
just go to the place you're going. But the pit stops were fun. They were all good. They were, they were all good. I can't complain about any of them. They were all good. Like the casino scene was seven to nine, or not casino, the nightclub scene. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. yeah. With him in the disguise, oh that was God. fun. I do love the uh, the Romulan samurai. Yeah, that was good. That was pretty awesome. Are we no longer pretending? That was so good. I love it. Oh, that was, that no, was but I my only complaint really, other than once again, I I I'm I'm gonna withhold judgment on the Picard android yeah until i see what they do next season that was a little i will say that was a little fed like my first thought was oh he's dying and we just happen to have this brand new robot body that just needs a consciousness in it so it's like i'm gonna wait to see what they do yeah because i'm curious to see the interaction between him and q with q realizing that's not really picard that's his consciousness but it ain't him him. i want to know what happens with that like that uh, i and i they, they, I mean, they have to play that off. They have to. There they have can't to at least be, say something. There can't be any kind of interaction between them without that coming up. No. There has to be. So I'm interested in that. I am disappointed that this is on, well, now Paramount Plus. It used to be, what, Peacock? CBS All Access. Or CBS All Access. Because not a lot of people have seen it. Yeah. Because it's in a, overseas, I don't know if it's the same now that it's Paramount Plus, but back when Discovery came out, and I believe this first season, Everywhere but America, it was on Netflix. But in America, it was on CBS All Access and then now Paramount Plus. But I don't know if now that they rolled out Paramount Plus, if that changes it overseas or if that's going to be the same. Which, when I first heard about Discovery, I was all excited because the first thing I saw is it's on Netflix. Uh But then I read the fine print and it says it's on Netflix every place else except America. Where it is on CBS All Access, which it's only like five ninety nine, so it's not a big deal for me. Like when season two comes out, I'm going to, I think it's like two months or something like that. You have to pay for it. I'll pay for it and then cancel as soon as it's done. But you know, I'll tell people about this show and no one has seen it, and it's like I'm. It's so disappointing yeah. because it is such a great show. Yeah, and it's like it's bringing. I've actually even heard people saying that they miss like a good Star Trek TV show. It's like there is one. There, yeah. yeah. I mean, Discovery I liked at first, but then that's kind of fallen down this weird rabbit hole that I stopped watching it. I my sister in law is a huge Trekkie, and she has no interest. She she does not yeah. like Discovery at all. See, it was it had an interesting first season where the main captain was Jason Isaacs, who plays. Um, yes. Uh, uh, Lucius, Malfoy. Lucius Malfoy and you find out that he's actually like the doppelganger from another universe Oh, and so you go from he's the captain of this starship and he's like the leader and you're like oh no he's actually this horrific murderer and that was interesting and then season 2 they brought in um, Anson Mount to play Pike Oh, okay. and Spock is his first officer officer and he's also the stepbrother of the lead character in the whole series. And that was interesting. But then season three, it was kind of like, all uh, right. It started to turn into the Flash where it got more drama-y, which I was like, it was bad drama too. Like great special effects, just like Picard. Like they put a ton of money. Michelle y- Yao is in it and she's awesome in it in every season she's in. But once again, they have amazing special effects and then they have this dramatic through line 
that just got a little bad. Got a little... And that's where I lost it. Like, season one I loved, season two I really liked, season three I think I got halfway through and I'm like, nah, I'm done. It gets a little soapy. It got soapy. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping doesn't happen with this. No. Because if you think about it, that never really happened with Next Generation. No. At all. I think the closest we got, and I will always say this, is the Worf Troy relationship. That yeah, but that ended up being a that ended up being like a different timeline or something like that. That wasn't even something that truly. Well, like existed. They, they kept on coming back to it, like the last five or six episodes. Yeah, I. But like we're talking about the last five or six episodes of the series. Yeah, that ran like eight seasons. But it was once again after the first season, they didn't even know if it was going to continue, yeah. and it ended up becoming this. Where a lot of people have it at the t- as the top show of their favorite TV shows of all yeah. time because yeah. it is the best. It is excellent, but it still has the most amazing storylines. Like I try to tell these young schmucks that I work with who have never seen it, I'm like, you have no idea the cultural impact. Like I remember the Troy episode where she gets pregnant by an alien. Yeah. And all of the men and the crew are talking about what's going to happen with her baby. And she's like, you're not going to tell me what's going to... And I'm like, holy shit, this is 1988, I think, when that episode aired. Yeah. And then there was the Riker one with the um, androgynous woman that he falls yeah, in love with. Yeah, the genderless species. The genderless, and then when she wants to choose a gender, she gets forced not to. And it's like, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, this is 30, 30, yeah, 30 years ago this that these shows came out. Before. And all the gender identity stuff going on right now... That episode is as relevant now mm-hmm. as it was then. Yeah. It was even more because back then it was still taboo, where nowadays it's part of the, the zeitgeist of yeah. the world pretty much. The culture that it, – it is a higher class within the culture. Exactly. It, it means more and people respect it. And I think that's what I love the most about Star Trek is, is you know, you can have your favorites between Star Wars and Star Trek. And everyone says, Star Trek has influenced – society in ways that no other science fiction fantasy drama anything ever has yeah just in technological advancements and the advancements of african-americans like whoopi goldberg tells the story when she first saw nichelle nichols on the screen when she was a little girl she knew she could do anything because she saw a black woman on the screen who's part of the crew and not just like the maid yeah and it's like Martin Luther King told her not to quit the show, Nichelle Nichols, at one point because he said, you don't understand the impact you're having. Yeah. And even in um, um, Discovery, the lead scientist on the ship and the doctor are a gay couple. And it's a really well done – like that storyline I still say is the best in it because it's a really well done. It's not done as like a – let's – Kind of like um, Star Trek, um, what was the final movie they did? Um, oh, Beyond. Beyond, where they made Sulu's character gay. Yeah. But they did it as like, ah, we got to just put a token. We'll have a scene showing him with his husband walking away. And we'll be like, oh, he's gay. Yeah. It's like they didn't pigeonhole it in like that. It's like they made it an integral part of the storyline. And it was beautifully done. It was extremely well done. It's like that's what I love about Star Trek is they – do things like that. And like even in this, even in Picard where you have his first officer, his final first officer under his command and his closest friend be an alcoholic who abandons her child. Yeah. Apparently multiple times. Multiple times, which is like, yeah. And then they have that great face to face between her and her now adult son. Yeah. Where he's pretty much like, go to hell. I don't want any part of you in my life. 
That was amazing. It's like this, oh. these characters, and then she goes back off the wagon after that. And it's like these characters are so amazing. Yeah, so well done, and it was everything I about it. it was so satisfying in terms of the pacing, in terms of the look, yes. in terms of the story. Yes, it never. There were moments where I was like, okay, we could move a little faster, but I never got bored. No, I was never like, let's go, let's go. I think, uh, uh, what was the the Romulan Narek? Yes. Uh, I don't know what happened to him. I think that kind of got nebulous towards the end. Yeah, I and that I think there might be further use of his yeah. character. In the I wouldn't future. be surprised. Yeah. Um, especially since uh, Soji is still on the crew. Yes. Um, but yeah, I really really like like this captured that star trek feel that really star did. trek look and and it and it evolved it it did it did it, it took it beyond what we would normally see yeah you know and even moments that were kind of like you you could you know kind of roll your eyes at like when he first comes on the ship and he's telling reos what to do and everybody just waits for him to say engage and then they do it again at the end and allison pill is the one that says make it so mm. and like even these moments i was like nah i'm good with it it's cool yeah. i'm good I, I still love that moment where she's sitting in the chair. She's like, we could pull the Picard maneuver. And he's like, no, we can't do it for these reasons. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, we would need this device that does this mm. thing. And where are we going to get one of those? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. That was so good. And, you know, in the sad thing, and it, I, it just dawned on me. I don't know why I haven't thought about it more. There's really only maybe a couple more seasons in the show because he's getting old. He's getting real old. I mean, he's... he's I don't think he's in his 80s yet, but he's got to be getting close. Got to be close. He's got to be close. If he's not in his 80s, he's close. Yeah. Like, I, when he was dying, quote unquote dying, uh, there was two conflicting pieces of information in my brain. One, I knew there was another season. Yes. And two, this would have been a fitting end. This would have been a totally fitting cromulent end for Picard. And you could totally see similar in some ways to Han Solo of just like, yeah, this is the end of his story. Yeah. I get it. And they could have maybe lightened the severity of the sickness in this first season, made it more in the second, and then maybe done, like, say, hey, we're going to do a three-season arc, and at the end of the third season, a really old Patrick Stewart and Picard pass. Well, not Patrick Stewart, too. I hope he lives for a long time. I love Patrick Stewart, but Picard dies. So, I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see what they go on with the second season. But, folks, if you couldn't tell, Al and I love this show. We very much like it. We highly recommend. Please watch it on DVD. Find it on streaming somewhere. Get Paramount Plus so you can watch it. Get the viewership on this series so they continue to make Star Trek shows because they truly are great. And, like, this show in particular, you know, even Discovery – even though I fell out of love with it, I know there's still a lot of people that love it and they love the characters. And, you know, I still, there's still some characters on the show that I love as well. You know, just give it some love, give it some attention, and hopefully they'll continue to make these wonderful shows. Gives Doug Jones something to do. And that. And Doug Jones, I Sarut, I, I love his character on Discovery. He, it is a good character. And he does, he's actually allowed to act and speak, which is even better. I love when Doug Jones actually gets to be more than yeah. just a person in a suit. It's uh, he's like in, so good. in Hellboy 2 when he actually yeah. voiced Abe Sabian was able to use his voice and it wasn't David I. Pierce and which I like David I. Pierce's Abe Sabian too but you're right Doug Jones doing his thing oh, I love, love Doug Jones alright so folks that was episode 17 man it feels like it flew by but I can't even tell how long we've been talking probably been talking for 7 hours I got 
58 minutes exactly. Look at that. I can't even I can't believe it's been an hour. Um, but uh, once again, we are working on a fan site for NerdPot Generations. Um, we'll talk about it more next week. Um, as of right now, you can find us on our personal website. You can find me at staylorbooks.com. You can find Mr. L at... I'm at jetsomstudios.org. And Mr. Steve, do we yes. have anything planned for next week that maybe people want oh. to participate with? Oh, next week we have one segment. Yeah. It is going to be a dual review. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a new idea of Ailes, which I greatly love. I'm not going to tell you what the movies are. Ah. Be surprised, but we are going to pick two movies from a genre from different eras and discuss them as a review. Next week is sci-fi, of course, because we're talking sci-fi. In the future, we'll do fantasy. We'll do action. We'll probably do Jackie Chan movies. Sneak some westerns in there. We're gonna pick a movie from the from you know like 20, 30 years ago, one that's more recent, and we're gonna discuss them. We're gonna review them. We're gonna watch them again this week. Highly recommend. The movies are spectacular, and after you listen to us talk about them, if you have not seen them, I am certain you will go back and find them. Can I give a hint? You can give a hint. Fire and water. There you go. Two big keys here. That is the hint. Yeah. I want you to sit on that for a week, folks. Marinate in it. Marinate in fire and water. Fire and water. Maybe that should be our tagline. Marinate, Marinate in, in fire, fire and water. water. That kind of sounds badass. <laughs> it does. All right, folks. Well, we hope you have a wonderful week. Have a good night, friends and enemies.